Riot for the Kingdom. Welcome to episode seven of Let's Riot. I'm your host, Shannon Gressley. And I'm your other host, Ashley Vinton. Let's Riot is a podcast produced by The Bedco, where we create space to learn about and practice heavenly rhythms for our everyday and get real about the hard questions we face as God's people. To find out more about The Budco, check us out on Instagram at thebudco or thebudco.org. All right, Ash. So we're answering FAQs about meditation and hearing from God, but I have a question for you this morning. Are you ready? All right. I'm ready. Okay. I am curious. When was the first time you ever heard about or experienced someone hearing from God? Good question. Like I can, I can think of a lot of different small moments throughout my life that I kind of faintly recall people saying that they heard from the Lord, but it honestly, the one that I maybe specifically remember the most, because it was really confusing because this friend had told me something like, I heard the Lord tell me this and my husband and I, and this is about a year and a half ago, my husband and I did not hear the Lord say anything like that. So it was really confusing to us. And so that's kind of when I started asking the question, like, yeah, what does it look like to hear? Like, why would Jesus like speak to her and not to us and say that to her, you know? And so that was probably like the time that stumped me the most and caused me to kind of dive deeper into what it actually looks like to hear from the Lord. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I think, I mean, that resonates with me too, of like, why that question of why wouldn't God speak to me and why is he speaking to them about this? I feel like hits deep for me. And I, I am encouraged that, like you say, maybe not until like a year and a half, a year and a half ago, did you really experience something like that? Because I don't think it was until like my senior year of college or the year after that I even really experienced this idea of hearing from God. And even then Mm -hmm. I feel like I was super skeptical about it and kind of was like, those people are weird (laughs) when Mm -hmm. you talk about hearing from God. And that doesn't really happen just because I feel like I grew up in a faith tradition that didn't really talk about that. And if they did, it was like, watch out for those people because they're making it up (laughs) type of thing. Yeah. And so it is like this really weird place, but I feel like there is sure. this revival happening maybe in our generation of like pressing into that hard space of like, what does hearing from God look like? And what is that mm-hmm. spiritual gift? Like what, why do we have it? And why has God mm-hmm. given us that spiritual gift? So anyway, yeah, okay. So sure. I feel like we definitely need to get into this because we're going to kind of answer that question that you just had of, or, I mean, I'm excited to hear your answer to the question. How do you reconcile when somebody hears something on your behalf, but you have it um, later in the episode, but we want to get into both meditation and hearing from God. And so we've gathered questions from our Budco community and have chosen the most common and most repeated questions to answer today on our podcast. Are you ready to just jump into it, Ash? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. So let's start with the most practical question. What are the practical steps on how do you meditate biblically? Yes. So it's interesting because... 
my own definition, and I think I shared this in the first podcast on meditation that we did, of meditation is just creating space to hear from the Lord. Honestly, I mean, I don't feel like the Bible defines actually what meditation is. I mean, we can see it in a lot of people's life throughout the Old and the New Testament. But honestly, you probably might want to get meditation tips from, and you might totally disagree with me on this, Shannon, um, but you might want to get meditation tips from people who have been down this road many, many years ago and just read books by um, those people. One of the books that I read was Practice of the Presence by Brother Lawrence. Highly recommend. It was just a really practical book on meditation. And he he was a monk and he did all this. Basically, he it's really hard to describe, so you just have to read the book. But And I think I told you about this, Shannon, a few weeks ago. Um, but he basically got to a point where he acknowledged the Lord one second of every minute of every day. Obviously not when he was sleeping, but (laughs) anyways, so that was really cool just to read about overall, like the practical steps is just inviting God into a quiet space and just saying like, here I am, Lord. And then just in that silence, let any kind of thought that comes into your mind, just like welcome those thoughts. Don't try to like, I don't know, be like, stop thinking, you know, just welcome those thoughts and let truly let God bring into your mind whatever he wants you to think about. And just really take a second to notice each thought as it comes. Don't exactly dwell on it uh, and don't let it just give you anxiety. Just acknowledge it and let them go and trust that the Lord is bringing to your mind those thoughts for a reason. And he wants you to tackle them and he wants uh, you to bring those to him. Does that make sense? Yes. So I have a follow-up question for you because I hear a lot, both like in biblical meditation, like uh, articles and things and in non-biblical, like Eastern meditation. Yeah. Like this idea of welcome the thought and let it go. Like what, what does letting go of the thought mean? And how do you discern like, okay, this is a thought that I need to let go. And this is a thought that is from God. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. That's kind of a loaded question, which is really good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, well, what I want to acknowledge here is that the Bible points us to meditation a ton over and over, both in the Old Testament and New Testament. For but sure. Yes. It does not give us a step-by-step plan of how you no. meditate. Right. But That is because in those cultures, meditation was just a part of the culture. When someone said, okay, meditate on the scriptures day and night, they knew what that meant and what that looked like in their culture. Today, meditation obviously is not a part of our everyday culture. We've kind of gone away from that because we've kind of become a culture that honors busyness way more than we honor, solitude, and silence, and slowing down. So with that framework, I think that question of, okay, what does welcoming a thought and letting go of a thought look like is hard because in a way, when you meditate, it just becomes a part of, okay, obviously this is from God. Obviously this is not because we become in tune with what God's voice sounds like. And we do that by knowing the scripture and knowing his truth. And so when we're sitting there in silence, reflecting on 
listening to God, when a thought about our stressful schedule comes up, we know, okay, I'm going to acknowledge that I am feeling stressed about this, but then I'm going to let it go and bring it to the throne room and let God address it. And I'm not going to carry that myself. And I love the example of who, who wrote that book that you were just talking about? Brother Lawrence, brother Lawrence of this idea of reflecting on the presence of God one second of every minute, because to me that sounds overwhelming. And like, how would you ever totally do that? Right. I know. And honestly, I feel like I am almost a little bit convicted because I'm just like, I don't even have a desire to do that of like really sacrifice that much time to be in the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, God, like, I feel like maybe there's a lie in my heart that being in your presence takes a lot of effort and work when really being in his presence is the most refreshing thing we could ever do. And so, and thinking about that, I, when we first started reading about and thinking about meditation, I, and I mean, really not even just biblical meditation, but this just overarching idea of meditation, both in the Eastern religion and just like this uh, non-religious meditation that is kind of becoming a fad in our culture. Mm-hmm. I've just never had a desire for it because I'm like, I like my brain does not function that way. Like I cannot sit and like empty my mind or focus on one thing because it just becomes stressful to me because so many other things come into my mind. And so while reading Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster talked about this old practice of centering meditation and he broke it down into really, really simple practical steps. Basically what it is, is you sit and you put your hands down on your lap or on the ground, wherever you want to be. And you basically say, okay, God, I want to release this to you. So for example, it could be, I want to release the stress I'm feeling about today's schedule, or I want to release the depression I'm feeling right now in this moment. And you take a minute and you leave your hands down and you ask God to, to basically receive what you're trying to release to him. And of course, God, God does with open hands because he's the God of comfort and provision. And so you remind yourself of that. And then you take a minute and you flip your hands upward and you ask to receive something specific from God of like, so if you're, if you're releasing the stress of the day to God, maybe you put your hands up and you ask to receive God's peace and perspective for the day. And you just sit there for however long you want and think about receiving these things from God and then reminding yourself that God does give these gifts to us freely and that God is good. And you just remind yourself of God's character, but you're not trying to receive anything in particular. You're just allowing yourself to sit there in assurance that God is who he is. And so, you know, sometimes when you do that, you might have this revelation that God gives you and you might hear from God. And other times you might just walk away with no spiritual high or anything. But I think it's important to remember that even in those times that you ask to receive something from God and you don't get this huge revelation that you still have received that from God because God is true to his character and it doesn't take emotional highs for God to be who he says he is. 
And so it's like this weird place of like hearing from God and meditation is this weird place of like welcoming hearing from God and welcoming this idea that we do get revelation from God and also being, sorry, I have a stuffy nose and also being perfectly okay with just dwelling on his truth and taking that as higher than our emotions. I don't know. Like, I feel like that also kind of answers this question of how do you welcome a thought and let it go? Like you, you have to really kind of reconcile it with God's truth first. Would you agree? Totally. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. That was very well said. Okay. So then how do we approach meditation biblically versus how the world talks about it and also like practices it. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we somewhat touched on this in the first pod, uh, first podcast on meditation, but I guess in summary, I would just say that the world, like worldly meditation is just emptying yourself and godly meditation is taking it a step further emptying yourself so that you can fill yourself with Jesus and his truth. And I feel like the point of godly meditation is to become more attached to Jesus and his kingdom and the mission that you have specifically. Yeah. It's to engage and not disengage. Yeah. You know, totally. And I think it's really interesting that, that there is this kind of fad going around of meditation in the world, because to me, it just shows that Like the world, whether you know Jesus or not, is hungry for this connection and this depth of spirit. And they're trying to get there with this. Really, it's a spiritual practice, but they're just twisting it to kind of drain their spirit rather than fill it up with God's presence. But I don't know. it, It just points to our our need for God and how it inherently is in us whether or not we know God or not. So I don't know. I think it's cool. Yeah, totally. I love it. Okay. And then how do we integrate this uh, practice of meditation into our day or week? Like really practically, does it have a place in our day or week? What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think it has. um, For me personally, I try to integrate it just once a week. And I'm not super like, okay, every Monday at 3 p.m. I'm going to meditate, you know? It's more just like the closer I'm walking with the Lord, um, the more that I kind of, sorry, how do I say this? The more that I'm walking in, in intimacy with the Lord, the more that I'm able to truly feel, and maybe this is kind of a cop out answer, but the more that I'm able to truly feel like the Lord just telling me like, all right, Ashley, you take a minute, take a few minutes and just like be with me, you know, just like stop striving, stop trying to achieve, stop trying to do all the things and just be with me, you know? And so, and that just comes from a lot of time just cultivating intimacy with the Lord. I don't know. Maybe that's a cop-out answer, but, um, no, I don't think it is because I feel like as, and I, I know I've said this before, but as we taste the victory of 
really being sanctified and refined by God, we don't go back. Mm -hmm. Like once we taste what being in the presence of God is like, we just want more. You're not like, uh, it wasn't that great. Like, right. There's just too much hype, (laughs) you know, like we're like, no, like I want to be with him more. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think that, yes, I, it doesn't become this like rigid scheduled thing into your day of like, okay, every, every day at 3 PM, I have to do this. It becomes this place where you just want to enter into it more. And so like practically Mm -hmm. for me, I try to do like every other day, I either do an extended time of prayer with God, or I set a time, time to meditate in like Mm -hmm. my time with God every day. Yeah. Um, and really there are many ways to meditate. You know, you can be like Brother Lawrence where you're trying to do it one second every minute, or you can do that centering uh, meditation that I talked about, or there's mm-hmm. a thousand other ways that you yeah. can meditate on scripture. You can meditate on the presence of God. But really, I, my go-to is that centering meditation that I talked about because I can do it in my time with God every morning or whenever that happens. Or if I'm like stressed out of my mind in the middle of the day and I feel right. like it's one of those days where I'm living out of my car, I can like get somewhere five minutes early and sit in my car and do it. You know, like totally. And, and I think that's the point of like, as we begin to meditate more and more, we grow that muscle to where it doesn't have to be this perfect uh, mm-hmm. situation where it's perfectly quiet. We have some For sure. music going in the background. Like we can really get into it. No, like we can be <laughs> in the most yeah. chaotic situation and, and still be able to meditate on God's truth and his presence. Totally. So totally. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's really, really good. Shannon. I loved what you had to share. So what would you say? How would you, this, this question is in two parts. How do you discern God's voice, uh, just like from your own random thoughts? And then how do you discern God's voice from Satan's thoughts? Yeah. So, uh, or Satan's, from, from <laughs> Satan's thoughts from the enemy. <laughs> yes. So I want to tackle this first one of how do you discern God's voice from your own thoughts or just random things entering your brain? So we have talked about this a little bit in our last podcast, but want to reiterate here, your first line of defense here will be knowing the scripture, knowing God's truth, knowing uh, really what his voice sounds like by knowing what he says in his word. Um, And by doing that, you will be able to welcome his voice more and not scrutinize it. Because I think a lot of times Mm -hmm. we kill the intimacy that God wants to create with us by speaking to us, by scrutinizing it and saying, oh, that can't be God. Well, I hate to break it to you, but God really does speak to you. And he really does want you to welcome his voice. So knowing God's truth, knowing his scripture, knowing his word is your first line of defense here. The second line of defense is acknowledging that God does train up our thoughts and as we know his truth more, he also sanctifies our thought life and we can praise God when we start to have thoughts that align with his truth, because that is God speaking 
through our thought life, that he has seeded his truth into us so deeply that our thoughts can reflect his own. But we can make sure that our own thoughts do reflect God's word by bringing them to his word and saying, okay, I feel like God is speaking this to me uh, through these thoughts. Does it align with the scripture? Because if it doesn't align with the scripture, then we can be like, yeah, that was just a random thought that I had. Or, yeah. I, you know, we don't, we don't take it as gospel truth. We take the gospel as gospel truth. Right. So right. first taking it to the scripture. And then if we're really just conflicted and, and we're like, uh, I really can't find any scripture on what I feel like God is speaking to me because God will speak to us about specific instances in our lives. Then we take it to wise counsel in our lives and we take it to right. godly community. And I think that's yeah. just like another reason why having godly community is so important and why Jesus yeah. really pointed us to having godly community, because those are the people who can hold us accountable and also speak truth into us when, uh, we need it. And when we can't speak truth into ourselves. So that's how I would answer that first part of a knowing the scripture, be acknowledging that God can train up our thought life and see, we have the tools of community yep. and the Bible to discern that. Amen. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, and then as far as like discerning God's voice from Satan's voice, Take it to the word, take it to your community. God and Satan do not say similar things. And honestly, maybe it could come down to maybe it's something that you are afraid to do this. And so you're kind of like, oh, well, maybe that's Satan. And I would just encourage you walk boldly in that. If your community is encouraging you in it, if it lines up with scripture, move forward with boldness and trust that the Lord is going to equip you and he will be with you. Do you have anything else to add on to that? Yeah. I mean, I just want to like echo everything that you said. And like, we, I do want to acknowledge that Satan spoke scripture back to Jesus when he was tempting him in the desert, but it was only half truths. It was not right. full truths. And so right. we have to, I think that Everything that we're saying is just pointing back to like the importance of being in the Bible, being in the word, because we, that is our number one source of nourishment right. from God. We can't survive just off of the spiritual disciplines or community no. or even like what your pastor is preaching on Sunday, because really none of that works unless we ourselves can take things back to the word and know when the enemy is speaking half truths to us. Mm -hmm. And, um, I also, I love how you pointed out that the enemy's voice sounds nothing like God's voice, because I wanted to point out <clears throat> this scripture just a second. I want to be able to reference it. So, yeah. um, yeah. So we, quote this verse a lot, but Hebrews 4, 12, it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints mm -hmm. and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In other, uh, 
um, translations, that first part for the Lord, for the word of God is living and active. It translates to, for the word of God is quick to speak. And Mm -hmm. I think that is important because God knows us. God is omnipotent. He is powerful. And so he knows everything that's going on and he is quick to speak to us. Mm-hmm. When the enemy speaks to us, it is slow. It It's piecing together and kind of scattered because Satan is not omnipotent. He does not know everything. He's trying mm-hmm. to craft a lie that we'll believe because he he does not know our souls like God knows us. Um, And so I think that's also a a symbol of whether it's God or the enemy. Is it quick or is it slow to piece together? I don't know if that's helpful or not. I hope it is. Yeah, I think that's great. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think, you know, everything that you said of knowing the scripture, knowing the voice of God, because we can, we do start to understand his cadence as we read the scripture. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Okay. So our last question. So Shannon, how can you reconcile a very specific word from God that you yourself may have not received? Ooh, buddy. Okay. I feel like this is such a big one. Um, especially in our current Christian culture. Yeah. Um, and I first feel like I want to address the lie that I think really is born out of this question of God speaks to some people, but not to everybody or God plays favorites because when we know the heart of God, we know that's not true. Even if our emotions in these situations tell us that's how God works first, Mm -hmm. like we have to acknowledge that. Jesus tells us that God's favor does not fall on any one of us more than the other, that we are all blessed through Jesus and we all have the same access to God through Jesus. And then second, just the promise that God does speak to us. I I quoted this in last week's episode, but John 10 says, God speaks to his sheep and his sheep know his voice. We have the ability to know God's voice and I would push us to celebrate when God speaks to others about us, because Mm -hmm. that is really, that's God's heart for community coming out that we, that he would not just speak to us always about ourselves, but that he would push us closer to one another by speaking words over our community members or other people. Um, through us. And we see Mm -hmm. that happening throughout the Bible, throughout the old Testament. We see that playing out and really it, it shows not a dependence on one another, but a dependence on God as he draws us into intimacy with himself through other people. And, uh, really it requires us to take these words back to the scriptures, back to God, praying about them with God, And so it pushes us back into the word, back into God's presence, back into God's truth and creates a dependence that is holy rather than a division between Mm -hmm. us. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I think that was really well put. Um, Yeah, I guess other questions that I would ask would be just like, ask yourself, are you slowing down enough to hear the voice of the Lord? And then what rhythms do you have in place to cultivate intimacy with the Lord? 
And then if it does boil down to, yes, I am slowing down. Yes, I have rhythm set in place, you know, then I think it comes down to just trusting this friend. Is he or she walking with the Lord? Can you see, do they have a genuine heart for the Lord or could they be using it to manipulate you? And then I'd say, if this person is genuinely walking and abiding in the Lord, is this idea that they're approaching me with, is it totally off the wall? Does it seem messy and complicated? You know, not that the Lord doesn't use complicated. He definitely uses complicated, but maybe just, is this an opportunity to trust the Lord and trust how he speaks differently to others? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's such a huge point that God does speak to us differently that we're not cookie cutters, that we're not all going to hear God the same exact way. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's huge. Yeah. And celebrate that. Just like you said. Yeah. I love it. And I think there's this underlying fear of being confronted or having to be in spaces of confrontation with each other that like I, or at least for me, like to be a hundred percent honest, it's like, if somebody's like, Oh, I got this word for you. Like, I really have to keep in check, like this idea of like, oh, am I not good enough to like Mm -hmm. hear this for myself? Or are they like a quote unquote better Christian than me that like they seem to have like this direct line to God's heart or whatever. It's like, it's really easy for me to make this a place of competition if I'm being honest. And it's that piece of celebration. Like, can we celebrate really the church. Like, can we celebrate God's design for the church that we would hear from him through each other and that we're better together and that we produce more fruit together than if we were just going solo and, and even not just going solo, but like depending on one another to hear from God for us, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and like, that's a thing that we can ask each other, like, Hey, like, I'm really struggling with this. Can you take this to God for me? Can you like, um, from God on this for me, um, so that I can just either be more confident or, you know, Mm -hmm. measure what I'm hearing against someone else's, uh, you know, experience with God. Yeah. That's really good. I love it. How did you, you kind of referenced this in the beginning of like, you were kind of in the situation of you had a friend that heard from God on something and you and Kyle really had to wrestle with it. Like, how did you end up approaching that situation? Yeah, we prayed about it. We took it to our community. It's funny. Um, we pretty much did everything what we've been talking about. We prayed about it. We asked the Lord about it. We asked our community about it. And we truly felt the Lord saying no, even though this friend was saying the Lord was telling her yes. So it was weird and it was kind of an awkward conversation to tell her that, but that's what we did. We prayed, we took it to our community and And at the end of the day, she was very understanding, you know? Yeah. And I think it's one of those situations where we just have to like, every time we're entering into this place of like, (coughs) sorry, I feel like God is um, speaking this over you, or I feel like God is speaking this to me. Like we have to stand on the truth 
that we see in part and we hear in part. We do not have the full picture. And so if we tell a friend, hey, I feel like God is speaking this over you. I feel like, A, we should always encourage them, take this to God. You know, like don't take this as as the truth. God's truth is higher than what I'm telling you for sure. Yeah. And then B, like be okay with if they say, yeah, I took it to God and I feel like I'm hearing something different. Like we can celebrate that place. That's not a place of like condemnation on us because we can say, great. Like I believe that God is doing something bigger than what I can understand in this moment. And yes, we don't have to take that as a personal attack on ourselves. Yeah. That was really good. I love that. But okay. So I hope this was helpful. Um, we are going to be diving into a new spiritual discipline in the coming weeks. And we hope that you'll tune in for that as well. If you liked this conversation, we hope that you subscribe and you'll tune in later as we answer hard questions that face the people of God. If you'd also like to leave us a review that's helpful in getting the word about word out about Let's Riot. And we'll talk to you later. Have a great day, guys. Bye.